This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. On the show today, you'll find out where book publishing is going and how to take advantage of it. How to identify and avoid publishing predators. What opportunities are emerging as the book trade evolves in new forms. How to avoid losing money and much, much more. Join us now as a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take the author to the next, next level of publishing. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. And now, here's your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Well, happy, happy fall, everybody. And uh, it is a... Uh, our leaves are falling here literally. The colors are changing so fast. It's, we've never seen anything quite like it here in Denver, my neck of the woods. And my, my guest today is one of my favorite editors who has just got the magic, the Midas touch, uh, when it comes to really goosing up fiction. So Barb Wilson is with us today. And so maybe she can tell us what's going on in Michigan with the colors, but we're going to talk about writing and we're going to talk about editing uh and and i should tell you that that um barb did a fabulous half day workshop at the author extravaganza we did in breckenridge uh colorado uh, a year ago that had people so mesmerized i thought you know what we need to talk about some of these elements within our podcast for all of you because i don't care if you're writing fiction or nonfiction. You need the art of editing and writing and how you incorporate that in storytelling because they all go together. So Barb Wilson is a professional editor. She has over three decades of experience. She herself is a published author, both in fiction and nonfiction, and she goes invisible at times. She writes under a variety of pen names. Throughout her career, it's encompassed everything from corporate life to penning a monthly column for a regional motorcycle publication, which she augments with her real-life adventures on two wheels nationwide as she travels with her hubby Rick on their Harley trike. Hired by the event director, she was the official blogger for the 2018 Sturgis Motorcycle Rally. So with that, storytelling and words are always crucial to her, and she spent her childhood with her nose in a book and a blue pencil in hand. She now enjoys working with clients all over the world, helping them polish their work for eventual publication, making them look better than they ever could thought. And um, I've been working with Barb now for, oh my gosh, five years, where we met at a conference, unbeknownst to each other, in Las Vegas. So with that, Barb, welcome to Author You, your guide to book publishing. And for those of you who want to find out more about Barb, you can also go to her website, which is editpartner.com. Welcome back. Hey, I am so glad to be here, Judith. Thank you for having me. Glad I'm, I'm so I'm tickled pink, you know. I keep thinking I don't know why it went off. Thinking I haven't had Barb back in a while. We need to come back and take a look at it. But, um, in fact, Barb is going to be doing a workshop for us in November, the first Saturday in November, that you can see her live in action. Um, and if you want to find out information about that, just go to authoryou.org. It's under events. So Barb, let's talk about editing just in general. 
just in general? What's going on? What changes do you see? Um, I am seeing, uh, in editing, I am seeing a lot of, I hate to want to say it, but I want to see, say people are ignoring their editors. Ooh. And, and I know, I, I know. Um, they're either not hiring them or they're having their, their favorite aunt or uncle that was an English teacher or a cousin that somebody's best friend knows. And they're saying, oh, well, they looked at the book and it's fine. Or, oh, my friends read this book and they told me it was great. So I don't need an editor. I can just self-publish it. And, and self-publishing has actually ed- added to this trend as I see it. People are mm-hmm. saying, oh, I got a quote and it was this much money and I'm afraid I don't want to spend that. I want to get my book out there. And I can tell you that's probably the biggest and most expensive mistake that I'm seeing happening is I'm seeing a lot of unedited work that goes out, hits Amazon, hits the other uh, book distributors. Um, the online publishing industry has exploded, and self-publishing is taking over what a lot of the small presses used to do, the independent presses. There, mm-hmm. If you have a book at an independent press, chances are editing services were provided for you as part of that contract. If people are skipping that part and they are choosing to publish it themselves, uh, wow, the mistakes I'm seeing. And, you know, readers want to be entertained. They're relying on the story to entertain them. And when they're pulled out of the story by mistakes in words, mistakes in writing, mistakes in dialogue, where people substitute homonyms, and Judith, I know you've seen it with your own people, and thank goodness, mm-hmm. you know, we work together and provide a, a solid basis for the books that, that come out of um, Author You. Wow. Uh, nothing can pull you out faster than one character getting out of a car three times in one scene because they wrote it that way and nobody caught it. Editors serve a purpose. They really do. They're not just there to take Mm -hmm. your money and tell you you're a bad writer. Um, Most of the manuscripts I send back, and Judith actually will will agree to this, I'm sure, because I work with her hand in hand. Uh, I have as many compliments in the writing that I send back as I do in suggested changes. If your editor is not complimenting part of what you do, you have the wrong editor. I, I agree with that, and I and I like to see them make suggestions. And I have to go back to what you said earlier: having your mom or your best friend or your sister or even someone who taught English in high school is a kiss of death. There is a different way books read differently, and one of the most common complaints I hear from people I come across is the, the mistakes, the huge amount of mistakes that are showing up. In books, including from New York, Barb, including from New York. But Absolutely I, I, true. Yeah. yeah I, I want to take a just, just kind of, and I can't believe I'm giving a shout out here, but um, I had a, a friend who had picked up Michael Cohen's new book called Disloyal. And so I'm skinning through it. And first of all, that this book is self-published. It's number one on the New York Times this week, number one. And it is truly self-published. The guy can write, and it is not loaded with a bunch of errors that I expected. So shout out whoever wow. he had reading on top of him, going in on it. 
um, they get kudos, whoever the mystery person is. Now I've got to go find someone with a book so I can read the acknowledgements. But, um, and by the way, I read acknowledgements. I want, I like to put, um, we put our editor's names on the copyright page. You know, book consultant, book designer, cover designer. We give shout outs even because sometimes we see authors don't do it in their acknowledgements. We make sure it's on the copyright page. These books that we I, go out I, of our office. I love that, Judith, and thank you, because uh, we're literally the the man behind the curtain, except nobody ever knows we're there. If I editors do there. their job right, nobody knows we're here. Okay. I know you're there. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I know you're there, and I'm tickled pink you are. Okay, so let's. Th- things have changed, and it's gotten looser. I don't know if COVID has made things get looser, uh, that people just say, I'm just going to go ahead and push it out and get it out and print on demand and the heck with it, without really yes. thinking behind it that this is a product. You are running a business. Do you want it to look schlocky? I- I'm just going to put it that way. I don't want a schlocky book. No, and no one will buy a schlocky book Mm -hmm. if it's full of errors. And, uh, you know, it's funny you'd bring up COVID because I've seen two things as a result of this. And I think they go hand in hand. A lot of my regular clients, and I do have quite a few, um, have struggled with writer's block because their stress is so Mm. high. They they have all this going on in their lives. And my area of the country was actually affected with flooding in May. Judith and I have discussed that at length. And I have seen people literally mentally shut down to where they, they can't write. And they're contacting me and saying, you know, free up that week you held for me because I can't produce right now. And the second thing that I've seen happen is people saying, you know, hey, my business has shut down. The place where I work is shut down. I'm quarantined with COVID. I'm going to write a book. And it may take them longer than what they thought, or it may be something they simply dash off in a few weeks. And the next step to them, because they don't know that editing is needed for what they have and they've had friends read it, they simply push the book out there. And I have seen some really bad stuff coming out. Yeah. And <laughs> now, now we're into schlock. Okay, so let's let's jump over and just kind of set the stage what we're going to do this time. We have two minutes before our first break here, but um, can you can you start? Let's talk about these three elements really of. Uh, uh, I, I think it's, let me just say this: that what do editors not do? What do editors like? Like you're not a writing coach. Do some yes, authors? I, I will are? not teach people how to write. I won't. Um, and quite frankly, I have handed books back to people and said, "This is not ready for an editor. You're not at a stage where I can move forward with you. You need to do this and this and this. And I want you to go out um, coming to a professional editor as an author." You need to be up to date on your craft, as we call it. And writing is a craft. Judith said earlier, writing is a business. It is a business. Yep. It's The book is your product. It's not your baby. It's not your organ that you have ripped from your body, even though you feel like it might be. You need <laughs> yes. to have the wherewithal to move forward and take correction if it's needed. An editor will not reshape the book because they have some kind of odd 
ownership thoughts about your book. Oh, I want to make that book my book instead of her book. No, I write my own books. I want you to so I'm good with that. Great. I want you to hold that thought because let's come back about editors taking possession. You and I have both seen it. It's author you. We'll be right back. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Is there a book in you? Or another? Author You shows you how to create, develop, and publish your book without being hoodwinked. If you already have a book out, you will find a supportive and brainstorming community that is connected and creative no matter where you live. Author You brings in national experts for its book camps and annual Author You Extravaganza. It has regular meetings and delivers webinars for its members on timely topics. Through Author You's extensive network, Members enjoy exclusive benefits, including significant discounts for a variety of services necessary to publishing. AuthorU is the premier authoring resource in the country, creating community, education, guidance, vision, and success for the serious author. If you want to create a book that has pizzazz, punch, and panache, AuthorU is for you. Timely author and publishing tips and articles are posted on its social media platforms, and it is free. Discover Author U, where authors go to become seriously successful. Join Author U today at authoru.org. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book. If you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. With me is Barb Wilson. She is one of my favorite editors in working with clients. And and my disclaimer, I will tell you, she was the uh, initial editor. I actually had three editors involved in my latest book, which was my memoir, When God Says No, Revealing the Yes When Adversity and Loss Are Present. And I'm thrilled to say it has already won this year alone nine National Book Awards. There is a reason why books win book awards and an editor being in the mix is part of it. I'm just going to say that, Barbara. I want to give you a shout out here. Oh, Uh, bless your heart. And I will tell you, frankly, that was one of the most deep, moving, emotionally strong women, strengths, hearts, guts, Mm. everything. I mean, you talk about notorious RBG, shout out to her. I'm going to say you're the notorious <laughs> Dr. B after oh. reading that book. Oh, I love notorious. Okay, so here we go. I used to say infamous. I, I'll take infamous over famous. Okay, so here we go. Um, that I, as we went to the break, I wanted to just really kiss on before we get into some really depth here. But I have seen editors all of a sudden take over a book 
and the author whose idea, the concept, and they had the the guts to pour out has been lost because it's like this editor that they selected took possession. You know, do you see that happen at all? What and and what maybe should an edit what an author do to make sure that doesn't happen? Maybe that's the question I need to ask. Uh, I do see that happen. Thankfully, not with me because I, since I'm an author myself, I do respect voice. Mm-hmm. But quite often, I think sometimes it may be a combination of things. One, a rather inexperienced author who doesn't really know how to work with an editor. I've had quite a few newbies that I've had to say, okay, we're going to work together on this project, but it's collaborative. And there is actually a clause in the contract I use that says, at the end of the day, this is your work. I have nothing to do with it. I provide services for a fee. That's it. I, I see authors who are unsure of how to move forward. And quite often... I will sit them down and say, okay, we need to have a talk about this. I'm a little muddied as to what you're trying to say. Can you explain to me what your plot is? Where are you going with this? Because we need to move into plot space. We need to go away from the mechanics of the editing. We need to go into plot because I'm not sure what you're saying. There's no under thread here for us to grab. And let's Let's look at that. And that's when I realize I'm working with a pantser as opposed to a plotter because they say, well, I don't know. I'm just writing what comes into my head. Okay, that might be a problem, and we need to work on it together. Um, Nobody is born knowing how to write. And quite often, we're the first set of eyes. Professional editors are the first set of eyes that see that book. So if the, the... expressions made to you in terms of let's change it this way are not made with a pure heart, you can find yourself in a lot of trouble. As Judith said, the editor will take over the book, but quite often it's simply because the author doesn't push back. And that's one of the really important things. You know, I'm providing a service for you. And Judith, I know we've bumped heads on projects and we've said, no, this is this. We know that's that. Absolutely. Um, at the end of the day, I view the work as it being the voice of the author. My job is to clarify that voice, occasionally amplify that voice, and sometimes even play down the voice. Um, we had a couple books. Um, one was actually on pornography addiction and how to overcome it. And I had to go back to the author and say, hey, I think this might have been one of your projects, Judith. I'm I'm trying to remember here. It was. Um, it was. Yeah. And I said, you are going to lose your readers here because you're getting preachy. Don't do that. You're mm-hmm. giving them help. You're giving some of these people whose lives have been impacted by this addiction hope. You have to be the voice of hope. You're too strong here. Let's Let's downplay it. You know, I know what you're trying to say, but what you're saying right here just isn't working let's work on this together and get this through and nothing is instant judith knows this uh, let's see how many books have you had judith you're working on about uh coming up to 40 aren't you i mean for me i've written 37 but i've worked with there you go. over 500 500 books and everyone is different every author is different but they also have commonalities <clears throat> and often it's yes. called an ego ego 
um, oh. that I, all of you, I know you work so hard on your writing and you think every word is perfect. That every set, it's, it's just perfect. You don't need editing. And, and I'm going to tell you, and Barb's going to tell you, yes, you do. And sometimes we don't know. I mean, Barb, this has been my experience because I get into the content editing that sometimes we don't know how much help it needs until we really get into it. You know, we oh, think it may oh, be lighter, oh. and then it's like, holy moly, I'm going to have to dedicate my life to this. <laughs> and and you find yourself, you know, I, I, I worry about how to bring up some of these things because, uh, as, as Judith knows, we're, we're working on projects together, and I'll say, Judith, you know, I'm not – this isn't what needs to be here. We're, we've got some significant things to work on. Let's go back to the author. And that's where Judith is invaluable. And I'm talking to you authors out there. It takes a lot of courage to sit down and write. You have to know skill. And nobody's born knowing how to write. But this is where Judith comes in because she will help you. She is the shepherd. She will guide you gently towards where you need to go after the book is done. And that's why we make such a complimentary pair because she'll help people find their way to authors or to, excuse me, to editors, mm-hmm. not necessarily me. Cause I know I'm not the only editor on her staff, but to people who she has vetted, who she has worked with through long experience and said, yes, you're going to benefit from their services. If I were a terrible editor, I don't think Judith and I would ever have have clicked and have worked together for as long as we did. And um, Judith knows my strength is in developmental editing and content editing. Now, I do some copy editing or line editing when Judith needs me to do that, but I also look at plots and take them apart, and I see where they start and where the middle is and if we're saggy or we lose the trail, and then we go towards the end. And quite often we have to take things apart. But my job isn't to teach people how to write. I'm Authors should be serious about their craft. And that's your books are awesome, Judith, because after 37 books, you know what's put down on the paper. Yeah, I, You know I how to get your point important. across. You know. But beginners don't. And that's where editors time. come in. And that, and that's where we can help you. But let's, let's, let's jump into a few more things here. I mean, I, there's a lot that you've, sometimes Barb, you, you write yourself personally in multiple genres. Um, yes. what about, what about trends? Is there things that an author can do? Maybe they're working on something and, and, uh, I, I do remember when the vampires, everyone was writing a vampire murky. I was going to gag if I saw another vampire book, but, oh, it, yes. uh, you know, so it definitely was a, uh, a tr- I mean, I, uh, was it a trend? It lasted several years or was it a fad, oh. which is, you know, flashing the night. So, um, yeah, uh, I will say I, I do a lot of romance editing and I will say there's always a trend that's popping up for a while. There was the, mm-hmm. the seal, the alpha heroes, the, the green berets, the special forces, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, trends do come and go. Uh, in nonfiction writing, uh, the trends tend to be longer and stronger, I think. Um, and I will name a trend. I'll call this out. This, this is my interpretation mm-hmm. of a trend. And Judith, you tell me if you agree. Maria Kondo. Marie Kondo. 
Oh, yeah. Me, we're going to declutter ourselves to death. <laughs> yes, we're going to declutter everything. We're going to declutter our lives. We're going to declutter our emotions. We're going to declutter our houses. We're having Swedish death cleaning. I mean, this that to me I see as a trend because people are weighed down with obligations and suddenly this book spoke to them and said, you will be freer and feel better if you do this. So yeah, she I happened actually... to capitalize on a trend and it's turned into a business. Yeah, now um, she's selling. Now she's selling stuff to fill up your house again, which I think is yes. hilarious. But but also, <laughs> uh, I I actually wrote a, a blog on the the Swedish death cleaning out because it really you know the whole point was you know what your kids most of your kids don't want your stuff, so you you better start asking people do they have something? And I actually asked my own friends, do I have anything in here that you would love? You know, that I want to put a sticky note on the back of to tell my daughter, who will be my executor, give this to so-and-so. And, And like, I had a friend who I love the scene that the landscape you have of the geese. And I said, fine, Peggy, it is yours. And so Shelly knows Peggy gets that. Just tell her to come over and haul it off the wall. But that I think that we all should be doing that. And, And if Maria Kondo came into my office, she probably would have a cardiac arrest. Because I, I, I have stuff. I I love stuff. I love my stuff. Um, and I'm one of these people. And I and I don't know, listeners, how many of you are like me. But sometimes my Thursday brain doesn't tell Friday morning what it did with something. So when I'm working on something, because I'm such a visual person, it stays out. If it gets put in the file, put away, <clears throat> I may never see it again. Um, only by stumbling across it. So I, you know, I have stuff. I have, I have stuff out. I'm, I'm not embarrassed. Uh, I've got, you know, I can look around and I see a few piles. And I also know that every once in a while I will go through, I'll take a morning and I will dump, dump like crazy. I haven't touched this in six months. I obviously don't need it. I'm not working on it. I don't, I'm not interested anymore. So I think we all need to do that. But, but, and how does that tie with your writing? Ah, let's talk about, we're going to take a break here in two minutes, but this is organization and this is where the editing and writing come into play because a lot of you, this is where I see authors, Barb, make so many mistakes. They don't have an old folder within their book folder that they can move stuff that they have extracted they've discarded well maybe i might want to think about it but they keep it all in there and then i see them working on the same stuff over and over again that was decided we're not going to do that we're going we're working on i mean uh it's it's stunning to me how i see people writers authors get stuck because they don't move things and and that's where it's important to develop relationships of trust with people like Judith who can help you market your product once it's written and people like me who help you get it to a state where selling it will be profitable to you. You won't get the angry reviews on Amazon that says who edited this, a drunken cow. Oh Um, my gosh. And they do that. All right. Let's, let's hold on the drunken cow thought because I've seen those comments for some people. We'll be right back. Yes.
This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Discover the power of you and your book at the Judith Bryles Unplugged events. Each summer, Judith Bryles Book Marketing Unplugged unfolds over three intensive days working with just Judith. You get publishing strategies, author and book platforms, book marketing panache and pizzazz, and authoring tools to take you and your book to rock star success. In the fall and winter, Judith Bryles Speaking Unplugged includes Judith as your coach and mentor during two powerful days. You will learn how to structure a speech, how to create openings and closings, how to find gigs that pay you and sell your books, and you will get one-on-one coaching. Go to thebookshepherd.com and click on the Events tab to learn how to participate at the next Unplugged Workshop event. Congratulations on getting your book published. The effort you put into your work is truly commendable. But what's next? What will happen to all the knowledge you have worked so hard to acquire to produce your book? Here at Toginet Radio, we can provide you a platform to keep your knowledge working for you through the power of podcast. The subjects our podcasts cover are as varied as the grains of sand on a beach. From life coaching, to military resources, to business success, even to the paranormal. We have a place for everyone. To get started on your next step, call Scott at 903-787-5880 or email him at scott at toginetradio.com. That's S-C-O-T-T at T-O-G-I-N-E-T-R-A-D-I-O dot com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. All right, with me is Barb Wilson. And we're talking about a variety of things, but it's all about writing. And and it's about editing and really uh, getting your act together before you engage both really a book shepherd, getting your act together and an editor, bringing that into play. Barb's website is editpartner.com. And um, I I think it's there's there's a you know, there is a process for writing. I have people say, well, if you just look at a chapter. On, on on this and see what you think. Usually a chapter doesn't tell me. It's going to tell me if you're a bad writer very quickly. It's going to tell me if there's not a direct focus pretty quickly. But to, to bring in the overall concept, I want more. So, Barb, here's a question. When you're working with someone, do you want them to piecemeal their work to you or do you want to see the whole baby at once? I want to see the whole baby at once. Now, Judith is like me, and she has uh, repeat clients because once people write a book, uh, they tend to get the writing bug, and they want to keep writing more books. And so once they've written one book, they sort of have the process down. Um, I like to work because, I, Judith, I know you work a little bit differently in this space than I do, but I like to work with the entire product in front of me. I want to see 
things like pacing. I want to see character development. And uh, quick aside on that, some plots are character-driven. Some stories are plot-driven. For instance, mysteries, whodunit, suspense. And there are some parallel tracks that really run through all of those stories. And I want to make sure everything jibes. That's part of my job. Everything has to jibe. If you have a character who is a really nice guy in the first five chapters and then he suddenly turns into a jerk in the next five, there needs to be some kind of connection. The connection is lost when things are given piecemeal. Now, anybody who checks my website knows I do sample edits. I'll tell you a little secret about books. Everybody starts a book that wants to write a book, and the first five to ten chapters are exhaustively worked, reconsidered, rewritten, rewritten again, reviewed, thought about, changed to death. It's probably going to be some of the best writing that that author can do. Now, once they get past those and they start working on the rest of the book, that's when the mistakes are going to start popping up because it's not getting the same amount. The, the remainder of what they're doing isn't getting the same amount of attention and reconsideration that those first five chapters get. So quite often if I'm doing a sample edit and somebody says, you know, I here's my work, well, that's, probably a shining example of your work, but I want to see a couple chapters later because I want to see what you do with these characters you're developing. I can't get a feel for the plot and the pacing. And, you know, I'm glad you said about the characters you're developing because even in, uh, I remember one time reading a national book. Jonathan Franzian was the author. I hated the book. I hated the character. I, there was not one character in there that had a redeeming value to it. And But it was a National Book Award reader, so I just, you know, pushed myself through it. And I thought, I will never read another one of these books again um, by this author. I just, and he was being, you know, announced as the next great novelist. And I, I just, there was this family I just couldn't stand. And I, uh, I, even when you have a bad person, there is usually a flaw in there that you can embrace. There is usually yes. something yes. in there that you want, maybe want to cheer for them to, to, uh, make or it through. Or care. Or, or care redeem. Yeah. So I, I oh. think that's really important. Um, and I see that all the time. Why do you care? And I, I think for authors, they should ask when you're writing something, you're done, you think you've got a masterpiece. You need to ask yourself your question, who cares? Do we, does this really move it forward? Who cares? And, and that, by the way, is for fiction and nonfiction. That works on both sides of the writing aisle. Absolutely true. Because you have to have a message. You have to have a purpose in writing that book. But at the end of the day, unless it, you know, provides eternal youth, I'm not sure anybody's going to care about it five years or ten years later. Remember what Judith said earlier, writing is a business. Your book, your story, your short stories, your novels, your novelettes are products. And at the end of the day, if you write something that the public doesn't embrace, it's 
it's going to be hard to accept unless you view your writing as a, a product. Now, write what you want to write. And I, I, Judith, you'll agree with me on this, I'm sure, since you've written so many books. If you have a book in your heart that needs to come out or a tale that you want to tell, tell that tale. And for heaven's sake, we talked earlier about trends, don't follow them. I have had people contact me through my webpage and say, what kind of book sells best? That's what I want to write. Well, your readers that buy those books say everybody's crazy about paranormal space aliens that, you know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Multiple wives, reverse harems or something I'm seeing in the uh, romance genre right now. It's really hot. And it's women who have multiple male partners. And I'm seeing a lot of those come out and people are writing them. But you can tell the people who are reading those books are sophisticated readers and they understand how those stories are supposed to work because at the end of the day, they're largely tropes. Uh, if a person does it and they're not invested in that story and it's not important to them, that comes across in the writing. If, if you are just writing for the money, believe me, your readers will know. And they will be very harsh in their criticisms. I have even seen on really famous authors' website, it's like, well, she just churned this one out. No biggie. Not really worth it. Um, harsh reviews. Was it warranted? Maybe. I don't know. I may not have edited for that person, and I don't know what's going on in their head. But once you have, especially if it's a continuing string of characters, you have um, characters that you re-engage with over several books, it's probably really easy to just turn on your brain and, and put out a 50,000-word book, and maybe you're not telling the story you want. This is where your editor sort of pulls you back and says, wait a minute, what, what happened? The magic's not here. Let's talk about this. Are you sure you want to do this? Mm -hmm. uh, if you have family and friends read those books first, don't expect them to be truthful either because they won't. Oh, they don't yeah, want to hurt your feelings and they love you. You know what? I'm so glad you brought that up. <coughs> Excuse me. The, um, your family and friends are not your focus group. They're not your beta group. They're not any uh, of that. You have to, and I have gone around and around with so many authors who j absolutely believe that's where it starts. No, it doesn't. You have got no. to get people who buy your genre that are interested in your genre. That's where you're going to get the really viable, valuable input all of you need. And, it, and it's really crucial. It is just so crucial. I know when I want to hop over and then I, and I want to throw a, a word, a phrase and have Barb dig into it called word blind, but that I know with my own uh, memoir, when God says no, um, that I had because it was for people who are hurting and it's not a be religious type thing. But I actually had, it was more in the spirituality line, but also goes through some of the, um, the god-awful ups and downs that I personally have gone through. And I had both a rabbi and a minister read it, to read it, because I know people, because of the title, are going to pick it up. And what was their response? They gave, they gave fabulous endorsements. But it's just important to understand what avenue you're going down, all of you. And again, this is for fiction and nonfiction. Who is exactly your reader? 
because if you're not imagining your writing to ease their pain, and remember for fiction, their pain is, I want to drop out for a few hours. I'm looking for entertainment. That's how this is done. And if you don't grasp that, you're, you're going to stumble a lot more than you need to. I think both Barb will agree with me on that. Oh, absolutely. And Judith, your book, you ripped your life open and poured it out on a page with words. Oh, I actually had someone say, do you really want to reveal this? Okay, let's drop into word blind. Word blind. Um, How do you prevent it? What is it and how do we prevent it? Well, I hate to sound like a a repeat Rhonda here, but you hire an experienced editor. A couple things uh, I use that phrase to refer to. One is you have a favorite phrase or a few favorite words that you use to describe everything. Oh, I know. Oh, it's great. It's uh, really great. Really, really, oh, really great. Oh, it's very, it's very, really very awesome. Good. Oh, so, he was exquisite. So, he had yeah. muscle torso. We talked about muscle Ooh. torso on every page. <laughs> you know, it is muscle torso. Okay, now let's not talk about muscle torso. Let's find different ways to um, describe things. Mm-hmm. If you're overusing a phrase, if you're using something over and over or you're saying it the same way, your readers are like, wow, they're like a one-trick pony. What is this? Somebody should have caught that. And the second thing I use word blind to mean is when someone is writing a book, they, after a while, they can't see the words. They're, they're so into what they're doing they can't critique it anymore. They they don't catch things. Uh, I spoke earlier about getting out of a car three times in one scene. That's word blind. Oh, okay. Where you write a little bit and you put it back in the main manuscript. Uh, Judith, you talked about those little oh. bits and bobs that go in folders oh. and people work on them. And, oh, I had this great scene over here and I'll just put that in. Well, they don't really see how it fits with the whole. So they go it word actually, blind. It doesn't, and they well, can't, it doesn't arc. Yeah. It doesn't arc. Oh. I, I, I have, we're going to, we're going to have one more commercial coming up, but I have, uh, I give a list that I, and I actually go through a count. I, I told one author just uh, two weeks ago, do you realize that you use the word so 123 times? Oh, yeah. I do that do you, as well. I will say you have used this word or this phrase, yeah. you know, 67 it, times in a hundred well, page book. All right. We're going to be right back with us is Barb Wilson, and we're talking your writing. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Are you confused about publishing options? Do you know which printing option is best for your book? Does your stomach flip when you think about selling books? Or do you feel overwhelmed with what to do about book marketing and publicity? Get the answers and much more. Get them and from someone who knows publishing inside and out from both the traditional and independent sides how to make a successful book. You can't do it alone without paying the price. You can spend your money creating a book that turns out to be so-so, or you can create a book that looks and feels classy, 
Build Your Brand and Platform, and is a success, a bestseller. It is your choice. You choose. If you want author and publishing success, you want Judith Bryles as your book coach. Sign up for her weekly blogs and easing at thebookshepherd.com. The Book Shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing, and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and guide to collaborate with you as you create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You do not need more problems. You want solutions. Dr. Judith Riles will shepherd you through the maze and chaos. At times, she has had to step in and rescue a book, a book that has been sabotaged by a publisher, by a publishing service provider, and sometimes even by the author. If you want author and book success, connect with her today at thebookshepherd.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Well, during this past hour, you've kind of got some truthiness that I, I always liked that word when Stephen Colbert came up with it. But really talking about the nitty gritty of writing and editing and what goes on. And we see, we see common hiccups. Once we get to know an author, we can see the commonality so we can start looking at them. And I, you know, I shared that I had a client with just huge amounts of the word so very great. Um, I don't see awesome so often, Barb. I don't see awesome so often, but it's, it's I'm happy su- with that. <laughs> yeah, I am too. But that you just really have to realize that you've got to clean up your act. So let's talk about it another way very quickly. For those of you who have that vision of, of picking up an agent um, and publishing through New York of the million, million plus books that are published here, New York only publishes all the, the collectively 10,000 books. That means your odds are not great. Uh, so that there's a lot of really fine manuscripts that get turned down. So you've got to make yours extra fine, like extra large. And that how, what are some of those tips, Barb, that they can do if this is one of their visions? And I, and I also do want to do a little dangle something here. That would be plan A. I absolutely believe that you need plan B, which would be, okay, let's say no one, you know, sneezes at me in six months. What are you going to do? You're going to do it yourself. You're going to learn how to do this yourself. Otherwise, you're going to be out here in in la-la land not getting anything done. All right, Barb, what do you want to add on to make us to have pitch perfect? (laughs) Pitch perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, there are books and books and books, and some of them have been written by our very own Judith Bryles about mm-hmm. how to properly compose a query letter 
and how to get an agent or publishing house's attention. And I can't recommend them highly enough because Judith has been through that process. She began as a New York published author. She's worked with this. She's been down the road. She's very full of tips and tricks about how to get their attention. We, we are very fortunate right now to live in an age where information is available at our fingertips, either on the Internet or through Amazon mm-hmm. One Click, whatever. Go out and learn your craft. And I mean mechanical writing. Learn how to write. There are books on that. Again, some written by Judith. Make sure whatever query letter you're writing is appropriate. In other words, these people are busy. I once had a client ask me to take a look at their query letter. Their query letter was eight pages single-spaced. Oh, it's never going to get read. I said, oh, no, 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 no. She said, this is important. It's about my story. I said, your story's important to you. The people reading this don't know you from a hole in the ground. You need to catch their attention, and you need to get them with your manuscript, not your query letter. Learn how to write a query letter. And there are lots of resources and sources and people and help to make sure you know that. And if you have, I want to say amateurish here, but I'll, you know, that's a good word, so I'll use it. I I don't want to say it, but I will. If you have amateurish mistakes like bad punctuation, uh, poor grammar, misspellings, um, just mechanical mistakes in that letter, They'll never really look at what you're sending. They'll say, boy, their letter's a mess. I bet their manuscript is the same way. Click, delete. And that you're gone. That's your chance. That's your chance to make that first impression. And because your letter was imperfect, it got flushed. They never read your book. Yeah, and I'm going to say that. That's going to happen in the first paragraph or two, and it goes in the slush fund. Right, the file. Absolutely. Yeah, it's got a snap, crackle, pop. It's got to have panache and pizzazz. Ooh, how do you like that? P, P, and P. You've got to have it. So perfect. And and this applies actually to um, what Judith said earlier. Working with an editor, make sure I expressed my preference for seeing an entire manuscript at once. Make sure the manuscript is editor-ready. Make sure that it, it comes to your editor as complete and as error-free and as, as perfect as you can make it with the understanding you may be word-blind. There may be things in there that need correcting that you don't sense. That would be part of your editor's job to help you with those mistakes. I'll give you a really bad example of one client I had. Well, I almost had. I chose not to accept her as a client. She sent me a 60,000-page romance novel that was written on her notes app on her phone, complete with emojis and very little punctuation or grammar. And she said, here, I'm going to send this to you. And I said, well, I work digitally. She said, well, you're going to have to let me send this to your phone because it's on my phone. And I said, you wrote it on your phone? Yeah, some are doing that, Barb. Yeah, some are doing that now. So she sent it to me. I looked at it, and I said, no, 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 this this is not editor-ready. There's no – you have entire pages that are one sentence. And she said, well, that's your job. And I said, no, that would not be my job. 
My job is to take good writing or and make it better or excellent writing and perfect it. Mm-hmm. My yeah, job I, I, is not to ghostwrite your book. So be well, aware of what you're asking person. for when you hire yeah. an edit editor. Um, there are different kinds of editing. We talked briefly about that. And realize that editing is not something that can be done, especially with a new editor or an author that's new to that editor in a, a very tight time frame. I've had people send me books and say, well, we need to add a time to this this contract. I, I want that book back in two weeks. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. You need to let me look at the book and see how long it's going to take. That type of a restriction is like saying, I'm going to hire you to paint a house and I want you to uh, give me a price for that. Well, how big is your house? Well, it, it, that's not important. I just want to make sure my house is painted in two weeks. I show up with 10 gallons of paint and the dude has a 35,000 square foot mansion. You know, you can't make a decision like that with only part of the information. And I know Judith has gotten into some similar situations, but be aware. Writing is your business. Editing is the editor's business. They're going to treat it like a project. You treat your writing like a business and everything will get along fine. I I know we're coming down to the the last uh, little bit of our time here. And I feel strongly enough about editing and the importance of editing, not just because I'm an editor, but Judith mentioned at the beginning of our time together that I have published books in nonfiction and fiction. I'm a professional editor. When I publish those books and I have self-published and through indie digital presses, I hire another editor to look at my books because by Mm. the time I'm done with them, I'm word blind. All right, so here I'm going to go back to the, the book, my book, When God Says No, Revealing the Yes When Adversity and Loss Are Present, had three editors. You know, I'm a, I'm not a great writer. I'm a decent writer, though, and I have gotten better over the years. And by the way, I'm going to loop that back to why we want to see the whole manuscript would be the ideal, because you know what, as you go through if you're, Barb was saying that the first front, those first 10 chapters, that you have so milked them, you have so done them over. But when we have the whole thing going through and someone has really spent time, it, we really, I see getting better. I, I, I see the first chapters are rough on the edit and then it starts smoothing out for some reason. Um, and that's been my experience, Barb. It, it, it doesn't get real sloppy at the end unless they're trying to finish it. Less are trying to rush to get the finish in because, you know, it's been going on in perpetuity. But I oh. think that as you go along and you come back and Barb said, you know, other, once you start writing, you seem to write again. I've always said books breed more books that you'll find when I look at what I first wrote and published in 1981 and my methodology of writing and the communicating and my stylism. It is so, it's like, who was that person? You know, who who did that? Um, and that I, you know, you, you will just get better as you go along. You have to keep going on it and, and trust uh, that it's there. And I think the other thing, Barb, we both kissed on, and just to reinforce that the job of an editor is to make you look better. That, that's their job, to make your writing shine, to make it soar. Uh, to help you connect. Absolutely. I, I like to say that uh, 
my job is not to write it or create it. My job is to polish it so that it is perfect. You know, mm-hmm. similar to coal mining. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, there you yeah, go. The, it yeah, may and, be not pretty in between. You know, there may be some, some difficulties. I had one author. I went back to her and I said, okay, when we get to this chapter, we've got a problem. You've created this strong character and suddenly you're turning him into a wimp. And that doesn't work. You've created this character. And the author argued with me and I said, no, this does not work. You have to fix this. You made this character. Suddenly now he's not the character you created. And Or, or, or you delete him. Maybe the character yes. doesn't belong there. Yeah. And I, you know, it's very important. There are, there are a lot of genre specific things that are important in editing. I mean, we've barely scratched the surface and, and Judith knows this. Uh, we've, when you world build, you write paranormal or fantasy or, uh, you write, um, urban fantasy and you start world building, you have, you make rules and then you can't break them. Like you're saying the the green people can't talk to the purple people. You know, it's it's that kind of thing. And suddenly in book three, the purple people are uniting with the green people and they're making blue people. And you're like, wait, what happened here? You made this rule and now, you know, and so that kind of thing, editors are, that's their job to catch. It's like, wait, you made these rules, now you're breaking them. All right. And so with As that an said, author, <laughs> guess what? We're at our time. Um, so. Oh. It's it's uh, I think it's okay to break rules at times, but you just need to set up the rules so that can be done um, with the Absolutely. process. So, all right. So thank you to Barb Wilson for being with us today. We'll be back with you next week with more tips and more tricks to make you and your publishing soar. Thank you for being a part of your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Each week.